This series is based really on a, on a verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. And if you look in, in the Bible, they put parentheses around the words, everything is permissible for me, which Paul was speaking against this church in, in Corinth where they were just saying, you know, everything's good, you know what, everything, God gave us everything here, did he not? Yes, he did. You're right. That was kind of a phrase. But not everything, says Paul, is beneficial. Everything's permissible for me. But I will not be mastered by anything. And we call this series Acceptable Addictions because I think you may have found in your life, like I found in mine, there are things in our life that sometimes get a hold of us and they drive us and they begin to move into our lives in a way where we don't have the kind of relationship with God that he desires or with others or we're not as productive, we're not the kind of people that God created us to be. And he says it's just not acceptable and it's not beneficial. So this morning, a few weeks ago I spoke on hurry, so I thought I'd go to the other side and talk to the other people this morning it's on laziness. And here's the problem. I was, I was honestly hoping to get to writing this message this week. <laughs> but it, it was so beautiful. And, and at one point, the morning I was going to give the most work to it, the bed was so comfortable. And, and, and I really just, you know, wanted to write a compelling message on laziness. And then I thought, maybe I should just experience it for myself. <laughs> and then I began, and, and it didn't come real easy. It was such a struggle. And then at one point, I had trouble with the computer, and, and well, I just never got around to finishing it. In that short paragraph, I have outlined for you every characteristic of a lazy person that you find in the book of Proverbs. You'll find all those things, and not all those things are always evident in a lazy person's life. But what I want us to understand is when we talk about laziness, and I, as I was doing this series and in, in doing this message, I've come to realize that some of the things you read in Proverbs, let's say even today as we go through the characteristics of laziness, we'll talk about the characteristics for a while. Most of the message will be on the characteristics, and we'll talk for a portion about the cost, and then I'm just going to talk about a choice. What I found in this is that when it comes to addictions, you'll find that some of the things I outline here, you'll find true in any other addiction. Because one of the things that happens, and one of the reasons God doesn't want us to be mastered by anything, is because what really happens is that we don't live in truth. We move out of, and if you want to put truth as the word reality, we move out of reality the way God intended for us to experience him and one another. So Proverbs chapter 24, verses 30 through... Um, 34. And, and you'll look also in Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 11, have a similar thing. They have this little phrase, a little slumber, a little sleep, a little folding of the arms. They both use that. And they're both what I call look and learn lessons. This one, specifically in chapter 24, we'll take a look at in just a moment, is more about looking at a farmer in his field. The one in chapter 6 is, is this idea, look at the ant and how industrious they are, and then he compares it back to the person who isn't. But in fact, chapter 24, verse 30, he says, I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds, and the stone wall was in ruins. And I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. I just looked around. And as I was watching, I just noticed this, he says, a little sleep, a little slumber, 
A little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a thief. And scarcity like an armed man. Proverbs is this wonderful collection of wisdom. And most often wisdom is gained through just simple observation. It's truths that you can just see if you just look at something in life. And so in verse 30, you see he walks by the field of slugger and, and he sees this person as lazy, slothful, lacks judgment, or as NIV says, has no sense. Verse 31, as he notices the field, he sees it's filled with thorns and weeds and he didn't keep up the wall. And then verses 32 through 34, looking at it, he makes a conclusion. And this will be really interesting and important to remember because when we get back to the choice, I'll refer back to this. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And before you know it, you're facing some major consequences. I like the way the message paraphrases this. This is kind of neat from 32 to 34. He says, I took a long look and pondered what I saw. The fields preached me a sermon that I listened. A nap here, a nap there, a day off there, a day off there, here, there. Sit back, take it easy. Do you know what comes next? Just this. You can look forward to a dirt poor life with poverty as your permanent house guest. The sluggard, the slothful, old lazy bones. We have, there's all kinds of things that you can hear out of the mouth of one who is like this. You do just enough to get by. You get it done the easiest and quickest way possible. You, you say things like, I'll do it tomorrow. Or you look at it, it takes too much effort. Or you say the price is too high. That's the kind of person who's always looking at the clock to make certain that, you know what, I can just get, when do I get out of here, kind of thing. Now, before you start judging, which is really easy to do, I want you to know that laziness shows up in all of our lives in some way. And so I want you to think about it, because just being passive is a form of laziness. Not engaging in a relationship, whether it's with your spouse or with your family is a form of laziness. Procrastination is a form of laziness. You put something off. It doesn't appear like it needs to be done today. You know the stuff that you, um, you, your closet's stuffed with stuff? The overgrown bushes, the relationship you've left untended, the hurtful habit you say, I'll get to, are all forms of laziness. And so what I would really love for you to do this morning as we move into these characteristics is is to, to observe not in the life of the person sitting next to you, but in your own life. Is there just one area that maybe the Holy Spirit through this message is kind of pointing out for you? That something he might say, you know, if you did this, it will save you some big cost. If you just pay attention to this area, it may keep you from some pain that you may have further in your life. And so I really want you to listen and apply this to yourself and think about as we go through these characteristics, are there something here that is true about me? And then let the Holy Spirit, don't, don't try and beat yourself up. This is not to do that. It's just to let the Holy Spirit, because we have the Holy Spirit, who will, will convict us of areas. And if it comes up, he might be putting his finger on your chest and saying, I love you too much to let you let this go on. So let's look at this. Some characteristics of the lazy, passive, and procrastinating is how I said this first point. And and Proverbs gives these key indicators. And the first one is this. Lazy people, according to the Proverbs, have trouble getting started. 
Proverbs chapter 10, verses 4 and 5 says, Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. He who gathers crops in the summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps during the harvest is a disgraceful son. The message says it this way, The sloth sloth makes you poor, diligence brings wealth. Make hay while the sun shines, that's smart. Go fishing during harvest, that's stupid. That's kind of right there. You know, not having been raised a farmer or not knowing a bunch about farming as a kid, because I lived in the Chicago area and up here in the Minneapolis suburbs for a while, so I wasn't big as a farmer, I, I had the privilege and joy of marrying a Thief River Falls dairy farmer's daughter. So I started to get some lessons of farming firsthand right away. And I've shared this before because it really marked my life. But I remember sitting down with my wife. We had become engaged and we talked about when would the wedding date be. And I'm thinking, just choose any time late May, early June. And she says, no, we can't. I said, what do you mean we can't? She said, well, we're going to be planting at that time. It's just one weekend. And then so I said, okay, how about maybe middle June, late June, July? No, we can't do it then. What do you mean? We'll be cultivating probably at that time. I'm going, it's just one weekend. So and I'm trying to think in my mind, well, what, what in the world can we do it? So let's do it in August. Maybe we can do it late August. She goes, no, we can't do it then. What do you mean we can't do it then? I guess we're not going to get married, right? She goes, it's harvest time. And it was really interesting for me because going through that whole thing, we finally decided on August 7th, supposedly hoping that we'd be in between wedging our marriage in between the life of a farm. But see, farmers take this, at least farmers who are diligent very seriously. This verse 10.5, make hay while the sun shines, that's smart. Do a wedding during harvest? That's stupid. (laughs) Do it when it can be done. Be smart. Don't miss the opportunity. And this Proverbs is a vivid picture of a person who has trouble getting started. They put things off, and when opportunity knocks, they're, they're, according to this, they're usually just saying, let me take a nap. Uh, when I'm done with my nap, I'll get to it. And you know what happens with the I'll do it tomorrow kind of a thing. What happens often is that in, in that kind of let's do it tomorrow, you find out the opportunity passes, right? It rains, or it's a, a bunch of rainy days, or you get sick. Or something happens and you just aren't able to get to it. You just can't get started. And so I just want you to look in your life for a moment and say, what are you having trouble maybe getting started on? Do it when it can be done. Holy Spirit might be kind of saying to you today, now is the time I want you to move. We went through a whole series called Be the Message. It may be that the Holy Spirit through that time was convicting you about sharing your faith with someone or about just taking an act of love or maybe doing a backyard kind of gathering of some neighbors, whatever it might be. And you felt the conviction and you maybe feel it right now again. And I just want to encourage you, don't put it off. One of the times I I have a a sense of regret. I've prayed it through it. I had an opportunity to share my faith and I knew God was telling me to do it with someone and I didn't do it. I put it off. And I missed this incredible opportunity in this person's life. Maybe it's putting a stake in your spiritual growth. Maybe you've been saying for quite some time, you know, I really want to get more engaged. I really want to grow in my faith. And I know I should get involved maybe in a small group and I should get involved with some other people and study God's word and get life to life. And and you've put it up. Don't put it off. 
It may be that in some area of your life you've been talking about maybe the physical health and the doctor's even told you about it. And he's saying, don't put it off. For the sake of your spouse or kids or friends or grandkids. Taking care of your stuff. I don't know what it is. If the Holy Spirit is just saying, here's an area, don't delay, get started, do it today, don't miss the opportunity. I'm just going to ask you to kind of say, today, God, just tell him, today, God, I'm going to do it. On the other side of the coin is this. One of the characteristics, if it's getting started is a trouble, for some, when it comes to laziness, according to Proverbs, there's a difficulty when it comes to this. You, have a, it, you, you fail to finish. You fail to finish projects or things that you start. I love the picturesque language of this. If you look at chapter 19 of Proverbs, verse 24, he says, a sluggard buries his hand in the dish and he will not even bring it back to his mouth. Or a living Bible says so, so some, some people are so lazy they won't even feed themselves. And most of us don't have a problem with that, right? So we can probably go by that. The idea is that they prepare it. It's like they, you know, they go out and they put the hamburger together and they get the bun out and thaw out, you know, thaw the, the bun in, in, from the freezer and they put it on the grill and they get it on the grill, they get all the condiments, they put it all there, they got it at the, plate, at the table and you sit down at the plate and there's the hamburger and you just look at it and you don't ever eat it. That's the picture. Proverbs 12, 27 gives a similar one. The lazy do not roast any game, but the diligent feed on the riches of the hunt. Anybody here ever plant a garden and not pick the fruit? Oh, come on. Anybody here catch a fish, bring it home, flight and everything, and leave it in the freezer and not eat it? Yeah, okay, there's a few people who have done that. Anybody begin, well, let's just do this, begin working with, a, with great gusto on a project and never finish it. Anybody? Yeah, okay. I was going to say how much of liars you are, but anyway. You know, you think about how many unfinished projects you have in the basement, or maybe your basement is an unfinished project. The point here is really simple. One characteristic of a lazy person is an inability to finish what they started. They have a million and one projects sitting in the basement or a garage waiting to be finished or thrown out, but they just never finish. And so I ask you to think for a second. Is there an area where you have started strong, but you aren't finishing well? And I will apply this again to your own spiritual life. Some of you started strong. Some of you came into a relationship with Jesus and you were going, man, I wanted to follow you with all my heart and soul in being. And you know where you're at right now. Things have stalled out. And it could be just laziness. There's also other areas in our life where we start projects and we don't finish them. You passionately get married, right? And boy, this is the greatest thing, the greatest person in the world. You get married to that person, and, and after a while, the energy for it begins to kind of fall away, and it may be in your life right now, God is calling you to get re-engaged, to start moving back into that. It may be some guys, you might be in your heart and mind have to really deal with the fact that maybe I need to spend some time where I just plan out a date again. Wouldn't that be cool? Or maybe it's just in your own heart and mind, you know where you're at right now. You started well, but things have kind of, you, you, it's getting a little shaky. And, and, and what I find so interesting is that we as people have such difficulty saying when things get tough, we to invite other people into that. 
And I've told you this story before. I remember when our marriage relationship got a little rocky at one point and we were working through some stuff. And I, and I remember, it was years ago, I remember going to a, a counselor's office and, and as a pastor, I'm sitting in this therapist's office and I'm just praying, oh, don't let anybody from church see me here. <laughs> How stupid. I've never sat in a car um, place where they repair cars, sitting there going, I hope no one in the church sees me, doesn't see me here because I can't fix my car. How many have sat in, in, a, in a office of a, of, of a guy who does your taxes staying, I hope no one sees me here? How many places in our life do we just go, yeah, this is, just makes sense, and yet we think for some reason in our relationships we should have it all together. And I just want to challenge some of you in the area of your marriage or your family. It is okay to say, I need help. And, and I'll make it really easy for you. We have a counseling ministry here. They may not like me doing this right now because they're so full. But we have a counseling ministry, and it's free. The church provides you your gifts that you give to help people. And so I just look at that, and I go, where is it in your life that maybe you started strong, but you're like in Proverbs here, and you laugh at the fact that not putting the you know, hamburger to your mouth and eating it, but how many don't enjoy the kind of relationship that you really thought you wanted because you're not giving your energy to it? There's a third characteristic of the lazy. A lazy person is not dependable. A person, you just can't count on them. You ask them to do a job, you just never know. You, ever, you just never know, are they really going to do it? And, you, and you, you almost become a caretaker, you're kind of checking up, make sure you're going to get it done. It's this lack of dependability sometimes stems from this very quality of laziness. Proverbs 10.26, again, graphically pictures how others experience this laziness. This is the kind of laziness that has a direct impact on others. You may not feel it as much, but others do. And you will feel it because of their loss of confidence and trust in you. It says, as vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so are the sluggards to those who send them. The message puts it this way, a lazy employee will give you nothing but trouble. It's vinegar in the mouth and smoke in the eyes. Isn't that great and graphic? It's the person who leaves a bad taste and gives you a headache. The person's not a liar. They often could be very talented and gifted. They're, they're, they may be good you know, talkers and, 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 and all those other things that they just can't be counted on. And so when you give them the project and you get to the end of it and you find out they didn't do what they're supposed to do, it feel, you have a bad taste with that person and it has left you with a bigger headache because of it, right? So how's your follow-through? How dependable are you? If people were going to kind of measure that in your life, at work, if they were to measure it, and they said 1 to 10, 10 being really great. You know, they just follow through. The, I can depend on them. I, they're the kind of person I go to. Where do you fall on that scale? Another one is this, a characteristic of a lazy person. They dream big but do little. Another way to say this is they have a distorted view of reality. What they say and what they wish for doesn't match what they do or what is their hope to come true. There's a lot of talk but little action. And there's a measure in all these addiction of what I call self-deception and delusion. And in laziness, when you think about it, laziness is like, an, to be lazy is almost, it is an addiction. It's like being an addict. It's like a drug. And it distorts reality. If you're going to live in it, you have to then 
live in self-deception and delusion and distort reality. Proverbs 21, verse 25 says, The craving of a sluggard will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. Or as the Living Bible says, The lazy man longs for many things, but his hands refuse to work. Proverbs 13, 4, A sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. Or as the Living Bible says, Lazy people want much, but get little, while the diligent are prospering. Basically, this person expects something for nothing. There's a French proverb that says, young people tell what they are doing, old people what they have done, and fools what they wish to do. And the lazy person lives in a world of dreams and wishes while the reality of poverty and the cost and the consequences are soon at their doorstep. And there's this tremendous desire. Let me tell you that there's a tremendous desire to be successful or prosperous the person will talk about wanting trusted relationships or intimacy in their marriage, or they want a strong, close family. They want their kids to be raised with morals and conviction and character. And yet, with all these desires, they're just empty wishes, according to what Proverbs says is the lazy person. They dream big, but they do little. Like the man who prayed to win the lottery. He just prayed to win the lottery. He said, you know, every time the Powerball number came up and all these millions of dollars, he just prayed, Lord, I just, I really, really want to win the lottery. He kept praying, kept praying, and he didn't win. He didn't win, and finally he started complaining to the Lord. Lord, I can't believe it. I keep praying. And then God finally got irritated with the guy complaining and replied, help me and buy a ticket. Um, now, I'm not advocating in any way lottery and all that stuff. And if you do, though, you've got to tithe, Okay. The question I asked for you to think about is what is the first one step you need to take so that it's not just talk, but what does it mean to take action? You can wish all day to have retirement funds, but if you're not doing anything now to set them aside, you can talk all you want about how you want to live. You can talk about wanting trusted and close friendships, but are you involved in places where you are meeting people you can trust? There's lots of ways to look at it. You can talk about wanting intimacy, but are you investing in that relationship? This is the kind of idea, just don't dream, but you have to determine to be. Now I'm going to run through a number of these characteristics real quickly here. Um, There's another one, is this idea, because there's so much in Proverbs about laziness. It's interesting. Everything's a struggle. For the lazy person. Proverbs fifteen nineteen says this. The way of the sluggard is blocked with thorns, but the path of the upright is a highway. The way of the sluggard is blocked with thorns. It's this idea. Have you walked through thorn bushes before? Where you're trying, you know what it's like? It's just like, it's, it's a struggle. You kind of push a branch and you get pricked a little bit here in your clothing. You try and get that off there. You get scratched here and you, and it, you, you just, it's just a struggle to get through. And that's the picture, he says, of the lazy person. Everything in life, every project, everything they've got is just like, oh, it's just such a struggle. And he says, that's the characteristic. Life is like walking through a bunch of thorns. No joy. Everything is a difficult task. The living Bible puts it this way. A lazy fellow has trouble all through life. The good man's path is easy. Well, it seems to be easy. Another one is never, uh, this person, if you take that same analogy, they never get anywhere. Seems that they make very little progress. Proverbs 26.14 says, As the door turns on its hinges, so a slugger turns on his bed. The way you could say it this way, a lazy person sticks to his bed like a door to its hinges. 
Or as the door turns on the hinges, so the lazy, irresponsible one turns over in his bed, says, just 10 minutes more. Just give me 10 minutes more. How many moms have heard that before? And then you've got to kick your husband out of bed. But anyway, um, <laughs> another characteristic is that they're full of excuses. It's full of excuses. 22.13, the sluggard says, and this is funny, really. There's a line outside. I'd be killed in the public square. I'm not going out there. If I'm going to the public square, there could be a lion. You kind of go, are you, are you crazy? There's all kinds of people out there. Every day there's people out there. And what's really interesting is the sluggard, the lazy person, the irresponsible person, the person who's passive in their relationships, in their marriage, or in their whatever it may be, have all kinds of reasons and all kinds of excuses. But when you listen to them, you kind of sit back and go, Really? Is this the one we're going to, next week I'm talking to anger. It's one when the person goes, well, you made me angry. Really? Wasn't there maybe a choice in there somewhere? Even though it's one that registers so quickly, maybe in your family of origin you learned how to be angry, but the reality is when you think about it, we all have control over ourselves. And the last is this. They have all the answers. Proverbs twenty six sixteen. a sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. And now, that's an interesting one, because literally he's saying he's wise in his own eyes. In a sense, in his opinion, he's smarter than seven of the wisest people you know. You go, wait a second, how does that work? Because it works like this. The idea is that the lazy person doesn't hear advice. Even seven really, really wise people can't get through. They refuse to see the flaws. They assure themselves that everyone else is wrong and others don't understand. And if they did, they'd see it their way. Now, what I find is interesting, I went through all these characteristics. I can tell you right now that I don't think because I've shared these characteristics and if there's laziness necessarily in your life, if, if your character is beginning to be built around laziness or if you see it in your kids, I just tell you, if you see it in your kids, you want to root it out. You've got to kind of examine yourself to see what's happening. But here's the thing. I can share these things with you, and it, it won't move a lazy person at all. This has done no good. I've just wasted the lazy person's time. Because they have all the answers. They're full of all the excuses. They have trouble getting started even when I ask them to do it. You see what I mean? But here's what may really change a lazy person's life and usually changes all of our lives. When we feel the cost. Right? When you start to feel the pain, or if you can help someone imagine the fact that they're going to feel that pain, or if you can even convince them that this is true and there could be great pain. Because God uses trials in, in ways to change our lives. Proverbs 24, verse 30 says this I went to the field, and in the King James Version, it says slothful. It's the word sloth. Anybody know what a sloth is? It's, it's one of these incredible a- animals. Years ago, I read an article in Reader's Digest. Anybody, still re- anybody read Reader's Digest still? Okay, well, I read this article in Reader's Digest, and, and it was titled, The Super Slowpoke, the Sloth. And they gave the definition of the word sloth as idle, you know, kind of in neutral, never moving. And it actually comes from the British word pronounced sloth. So put the word sloth, S-L-O-T-H, and put the W in there. That's what it comes from. The British derivative is sloth. It's the sloth. And so he goes on and he, tells, he says, you know, sloths, they will sleep 10 to 20 hours a day. 
They're so lethargic that it will remain unmoved. You can shoot a gun next to it and it won't budge. They did, motility, they, they did these mobility tests on sloths and they found that they put a disc on its head and they got it just so it was just right, so it was balanced just right. They did it in the morning, they came back in the evening and hadn't fallen off. They're so lazy that when they travel, they drag their belly on the ground like you see the guy who's parched wanting, you know, that mirage of water. They, can't, they don't even get their belly up off the ground. And the man who wrote the article had a sloth as a pet, and one day, this is a true story, I don't want to get all how this happened, but he said, one day I smelled burning. And I checked around, and then I checked the sloth who was half asleep, and its rear was actually smoking. It was sitting on an electric light bulb. Now, I don't know how it was sitting on that. So the motto in chapter 24, verses 30 through 34, or 6, chapter 6, verses 6 through 11, when it says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the arms to rest is true of the lazy person. They're like the sloth. Even the consequences of sitting on a light bulb might not move you. Because over time, a little by a little, one small excuse after another, one refusal here, one little procrastination there, all these imperceptible little by little choices lead to significant pain. And folks, there are costs to sitting on a light bulb. Because if you don't move, eventually you burn and the whole house does with you and lots of people are hurt. There's a cost to reputation says in that verse, chapter 10, verse 5, I read about the, about the harvest. A disgraceful son sleeps through the harvest. How many want to? I mean, just talk to you guys. Let's face it, almost all of us want our dad's pat on the back. We live for that. The reputation of the person who's slothful is a sense of disgrace and shame and embarrassment because they just didn't get to it or they didn't finish it. Or they made some excuses. They just didn't do it. There's a cost of finances. In fact, the main emphasis of the Proverbs is on finances. There's over ten different times throughout it that, that financial cost of laziness or passivity or procrastination or just irresponsibility is mentioned. And I'm going to put these up here quickly. Chapter 6, verse 11. Poverty creeps in like a robber and destroys you. 10-4. They're soon poor. 13.4, they want much but get little. 14.23, work brings profit, talk brings poverty. 19.15, they sleep soundly yet they go hungry. 20.13, if you love sleep, you'll end in poverty. 21.17, he who loves pleasure will become poor. 23.23, too much sleep will clothe the person with rags. 28.19, listen to this, work your garden and you'll end up with plenty of food. Play and party and you'll end up with an empty plate. And parents, this is a great proverb for kids. Instead of work your garden, just work your homework and you'll end up with plenty. Playing party, you know that thing? Little by little. Loan payments that are late. Overdrawn at the bank. Speeding tickets that you get because you just didn't plan properly. Not taking care of your stuff now. Failure to clean your appliances. Too lazy to turn off lights. The list is endless and eventually there's a consequence. And the greatest cost is not necessarily even to yourself, but what others that you, you say you love feel. Proverbs 18.9, listen. We don't live in a vacuum. It says here, one who is slack in his work is a brother to one who destroys. 
Now I'm going to give you what it says in the message. Slack habits and sloppy work are as bad as vandalism is how they translate that. Another paraphrase in the Living Bible. A lazy man is a brother to a saboteur. Basically a destroyer, a vandal, and a saboteur. That kind of irresponsibility and laziness and procrastination is no different than one who intentionally, purposely seeks to destroy, vandalize, or sabotage. Think about it for a second. They say it's not even a cousin. You're a brother or sister. The result is the same, whether it's intentional or not. You're in the same family. Now, this is going to sound harsh, but you are Al-Qaeda, ISIS, or whatever extremist group you want to list to your family and friends. I think that has to be hard. I, I believe it needs to hurt. You see, in World War II, when they put a guy who would be watching the, the radar for, for enemy flights coming in, if the person fell asleep or was lazy in the job and the enemy came in and dropped bombs, it is no different than the spy who came in and sabotaged the machinery. It is the same result. Your brothers, your sisters, you're creating that kind of pain. So here's the toughest question. I really want you to think about this, and this may be an area in your life that God is bringing to the forefront. Who else feels the cost of your procrastination? Who might be sabotaged by your laziness? Whose plans, hopes, and dreams are being vandalized by your lack of responsibility? Now here's the, here's the thing as you think about that. I'm going to give you what Scripture seems to say here. The choice of the lazy, passive, and procrastinating person. Here's what the choice is. And it's really simple. What do you think it is? It's just move. It's take action. It's steps. Just, just a step. Exercise your will. Even if just a little bit. Build the muscle of your will in the area of that place where the Holy Spirit is touching. There's a little known fact about the sloth. The sloth is only, the sloth is only 25%, think of it for a second, 25% of the, their body weight is muscle. Yeah, it's really sad. Um, they, they don't measure well on the health index. But um, how, many, how much body fat do you have? 75%. Um, here's what happens with the will. We see, we, we don't get this. I, I've listened for a while to some of the teaching. My wife listens to Joyce Meyer, and I listen to Joyce Meyer. And one of her themes, honestly, that I hear often and again is she just talks to people about you have a choice. You have a choice. You have a choice. Because in America, one of the things that's happened when you get kind of abundant and rich and, and you have all kinds of wealth around you is our wills become lazy. And when we don't exercise it, and we don't exercise the will, it doesn't strengthen it. In the same way, our will can have a lot of body fat. Now, and I'm not saying that it is how we follow Christ is it's our will. We need the Spirit of God. But if the Spirit of God is present, and He's convicting you about something, here's the key. Remember how you get there, little by little. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the arms, ten minutes more. It's just kind of a little bit here, a little bit there. It's just a little bit imperceptible, step after step, step after step, and eventually the will, just like our body, inactive, becomes fat, weak. And here's the choice. 
It, is, it may be right now for you to say, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, I know that all the power is in you. It is your grace. I don't need to hide from this. I don't need to be embarrassed about this. I can come before you open and honest and say, Jesus, I need you. I need you to save me in this. But part of the saving is you're taking your will and doing the little step, one little step, one little step, one little step after another. One of the things I found in my life in the area of strengthening my own will and learning about this was it it doesn't have to even be in the one area that maybe you're being convicted about right now. Because one of the ways that, you know, I've used this before, this idea of vim, vision, intention, and means. If you see what you want and you have the intention to decide to move towards it, you now have to put in means in place. You have to do some things. So if you really want to be a godly person, and you desire to follow Jesus with all your heart, and then you make this decision, I'm going to follow him, and then you think that's all it's going to be, and now I'm going to be godly? No, you have to put means in place. You have to be in accountable relationships. You have to take time to read God's word and to pray. You need to have that quiet time with him. You need to be in a place where you're using the spiritual gifts you have to serve others. Those are all things that help you become a follower of Jesus and become godly. Now, in this area of our will... You can strengthen your will little by little. For instance, one of the things that God started to work on my life a while ago, and I, 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 it's kind of funny, it's little things. Like when I'll go in church or in places and I see like a piece of paper like right here on the floor, I just noticed, I'll actually pick it up and I'll put it in the waste paper basket. I never used to do that. I just said, you know, God, that's a little thing I can do. And it was just an exercise of my will. So that when I go to a grocery store, how many of you leave the grocery cart right next to your car? Yeah, you're not going to tell me this. Okay. Just pretend you do. Just walk it back to the place. They're little steps of your will to do what is right. To do what you know the Holy Spirit is prompting you when he does. Guys, don't leave your shoes in the middle of the room. You see them there, the Spirit should prompt you and go, I'll put them in the closet. Right? There's little things like that. It's just, it's just little things where you see these little things, you say, I'm going to begin to exercise my will. And here's how you do it. When you sense the Spirit of God prompting you to do something you know is good and right, do it. And as you begin to do that, I do believe some of those things that are more insurmountable you will have a stronger will that will allow the power of God to work through you, to transform you. I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you're not too lazy. (laughs) I know, I know for some, this message may create some pain or shame. And, and God says guilt, when we feel it and experience it, we then just move and do what is right and accept his forgiveness and move on. In shame, you don't need to stay there. You just get in the open before God. You may want to share with someone else and say, you know what, here's an area that God's convicted me. Would you pray with me? Pray that as I take little by little steps, the Holy Spirit will come in and empower me and transform my life. I ask you to think about that and we'll pray in a moment.